You're listening to Red Gorilla Network, the Kong of Casting. Listen to the official We Live Film Podcast. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Cause some watch film, but we live it. Go ahead. Make my day. Hello everyone and welcome to the We Live Film Podcast. Happy New Year to everyone. And we are still on Thursdays for this week only. Next week we will be on Fridays. So stay tuned for the Facebook notice as well as Twitter and everything else. So this is our best and worst podcast. And we were supposed to have four people with us, but because of the the time change, we actually had to just do us to stay on schedule because ward season is among among us now with the Golden Globes. Upon us. Upon us. Okay. And... um, we have Golden Globes this week, and then we have the Oscar nominations next Thursday. So right in time for our Friday show, we will be going over Golden Globes and the Oscar nominations. So Next week. Next week. So this week, we'll just do a quick rundown of what the show usually is, and then um, we're going to jump really into the best and worst of 2015 in terms of films. So uh, what to watch this week? Uh, we have two releases, The Forest, which didn't from what i understand did not get really any press screenings because no one i know has seen it besides zachary marsh and he said it was okay um i will see it tomorrow and i think daniel rester is seeing it tonight so um you should have a review up on we live entertainment sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours so there you go for that uh and then the uh, wide release this week of the revenant is coming out (laughs) so um you wrote Revenant. I, I know. You like it. I like it. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Domhnall Gleeson, and a few other people are in this film. It's directed by Ash. Go ahead. Tell me who this is Alejandro directed. Alejandro Inaratu. And um, I thought the movie was really good. It's it's visually, it's pretty amazing. It's a little bit too artsy at times. Uh, too many like... No, long. the problem with the <laughs> film... I'm going to talk about it because you can shut up now. Um the film is really beautifully shot. Um, the interesting Alejandro Inarritu, his first film was Birdman, and the kind of gimmick, and I don't want to say it's a gimmick, but the kind of pull for that film was that it was all shot in one continuous shot. Um, the pull with this film, technically, is that it was all shot in natural lighting. They didn't use any, you know, like type of the lighting that you would normally see in film. So that for that reason, it's pretty interesting. Um, but other than that, even without knowing that, it's a very beautifully shot film. Um, the acting is amazing. Leonardo DiCaprio should win the Oscar for this performance, finally. Um, and the only complaint that I really have about the movie, besides the fact that it's extremely violent, I don't really like violent films. So I saw The Hateful Eight, and then I saw this film, like a week apart, so it was a lot of violence for me. Um, but it's very violent, and the other thing is he does a, he uses certain shots too often. Like 
the one where the camera will start out here, and I'm, I don't know the technical term, but you guys can probably help me out. It starts here, and then it kind of does like a 180, like continuously around the person. He uses that shot a lot, and it kind of gets on your nerves because you notice it. Um, and there's a few other ones that he uses repetitively. Um, the shots of the trees, like shots the snow of the trees, fall. or the or the nature or the babbling brooks. It's like, it's beautiful, we get it, but you probably could have cut some of it out um, to make the runtime a little bit shorter. But it is beautifully done, and you know, if that's your only complaint about the movie, I think that's pretty good. I, I think the movie was really good, too. I, I just think my, my downfall with it was that I felt like it was about 15 minutes too long. Yeah, so I think cutting out some of those shots probably would have made it better. And I also feel, though, that some of the initial not not the initial setup but like kind of as the movie keeps going on and on and on like as it's growing closer to the ending like there's there's a level of like all this stuff that happens to leonardo DiCaprio's character and it's kind of like at first you're like oh it's brutal it's it's really this violent so horrible um but after a while it just it, it feels like they just keep throwing everything at you and it, to quote nick yakabuchi it's like they just threw the kitchen sink at you like it's just like how much worse can it get for this guy and they just kept going with it and going with it and i think it was the part where they start cutting open the animal and he digs himself into it and the horse goes off the like it's like okay and there's a decapitated horse head like it's just the movie is so violent like it's relentless for me it was one of those movies where within the first like 10 minutes i literally was saying holy shit oh my god uh, uh," and like turning away because there's like like they don't he pulls out no stops with the violence in the first like 15 minutes of this movie the group of um hunters and you know the bear the bear bear rape scene there's a bear (laughs) scene where like leonardo dicaprio is getting torn apart by a bear it's really visceral it's disgusting um but within the first 10 minutes like you see a you see like arrows shooting through someone's throat and like somebody's head's getting blown off like it's and it's not like it's very gritty it's not Hollywooded up. It's not, you know, it's not, oh, the Kingsman, it'll explode in beautiful colors. Like, it's nasty. It's pretty gross. But it's really, it's a good movie. And for a movie to be that disgusting and that violent and for me to still come out really liking it, uh, that's something that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, check out The Revenant if you're looking for a movie to see this week. Um, I don't like horror movies, so I won't see The Forest, but Scott and Daniel will get you something. And Zachary Marsh should have something posted soon. Yeah, so... um, Beans. I would definitely recommend... And this is also one of those movies, it's kind of like The Hateful Eight, where um, you should see it in the theater. It has a really good... It's not going to have the same effect at home as it is going to have in the theater. Um because of the cinematography like it it needs to be seen on a bigger screen but if you're picking between the hateful eight and the revenant i actually would suggest the revenant you know in my opinion i I think they're very similar in a lot of ways i agree i think i think so too see i think if you see the hateful eight if you can see it in the 70 millimeter um i think it's really a great treat to see something like that i i mean i know you didn't quite understand the no, I understand it. The appeal. But I don't care. Oh, I, th- it's just... Just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't care. Well, it's just... <laughs> there's something about seeing I that know. in that format. It's just I so know. rare nowadays. But I, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think... The I Revenant think is, is a better film. It is a better And it's two. very... They're very similar. I feel like they're very... They're violent. They're, you know, 
gritty. They're they both have they both have the director saying at some point, "I'm so wonderful." When you're watching this movie, like, yeah. I'm so like, talented. I'm so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you guys. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. They both I have really, their little I, levels I of pretentiousness. I think The Revenant is the better film if you're looking between those two. I mean, I know people that are going to see one are probably going to see the other. But if you're debating, The Revenant, in my opinion, is the better movie. Not that that was asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Blu-ray, buy, rent, and skip it. We'll run through these real quick. I think Sicario. I'm gonna, I think we're going to be the only one. That, I'm going to be answering only all these except for yep. one of them. All right. Sicario. Um, I was underwhelmed by this film, but I would still rent it to check it out. I think it's worth a look. I think Benicio Del Toro is wonderful in it. The Visit. The Visit is okay. Uh, rent it. The Green Inferno. I did not see it. Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. You can skip it and forget it even exists. Deathgram. No, Deathgasm. Oh, you have bad handwriting. Deathgasm, which is... Which is obviously a skip it just by the name of the movie. No, 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 no. If you're a horror fan, this is a great movie for you. Yeah, Mark loved it. Uh, It's a great... If you want to check that out, Horror Thursdays, he put it up there. Cool. Infinitely Polar Bear, I want to see. It's on my list of 18 movies that I still have to catch up from 2015. I would say rent it. Um, it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value. I saw it twice, and the second time it was a little bit hard to sit through. Cool. And the only one that I saw, The Walk, which <laughs> I'm actually going to say skip it. And the reason that I'm going to say skip it is because it's. I think it's a movie that you can only see in the theater. Like I think it's not going to have nearly as much of an impact as it would if you were to see it in the theater. I would never want to see it on a smaller screen than the IMAX screen we saw it on. Yeah, I don't know. I would still, I would still say rent it because I think it's a really good movie, and it was really sad because this movie didn't do well at all, and it, it, there was a lot of passion in that. And the, I mean, it was a good movie. I'm not saying it wasn't a good movie. It's just visually. I, don't know. I mean, if you have, unless you have a big TV, yeah, it's like for it. you have a 60 inch or larger, maybe, <laughs> and then surround sound for sure. Yeah, surround sounds a definite. So that's what I would say. And then there's, like, Hollywood knew that there was no movies coming out this week, so they just put all those movies out. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other ones, including Kill Game, The Experimenter, Condemned, Joe Dirt 2, Partners in Crime, Close Range, Shanghai, and then Best Buy has an exclusive of Helen Back, which is hilarious that they have an exclusive of a movie no one saw. But Hilarious. There you go. I think Scott needs a redefinition of the word hilarious. <laughs> And trailer talk, we didn't write anything down, but I will say that I did see the new Conjuring 2 trailer. And um, I'm intrigued by it, but I'm not as blown away as I was with the first um, movie. I really liked the first one. This is like the period of time where there's a whole bunch of movies that I don't give a shit about that come out. Well, it's January. (laughs) Like things I'll never see or like horror movies where I'm like, nope, forget it. So, yeah. Okay, so that's that's usually how the show goes, and they usually more talk about that kind of stuff. So we're jumping over it. But January sucks. Yeah. So with few exceptions. With few exceptions, like one or two. I I, th- I hope the fifth wave is going to be that exception and ride along too. Those are my two hopes. Nobody's going to like ride along too, but us. Yeah, I know. But that's okay. <laughs> All right, Kevin so, Hart. So we're what we're going to do is we're going to do three different categories, which you're going to love hearing us talk. Yes. So we're going to start off with the favorites. Um, and the reason why I decided that we should do this as opposed to... Scott's a dictator. Pretty much. 
um, is because I feel like a lot of lists are not really fair because I'm like, oh, the best of lists is like the same five, ten movies on everybody's list because everyone kind of agrees with them as what are the best movies of the year. So favorites are ones that I think I would go back and rewatch repeatedly or just put on for fun. Or, or that we just really enjoyed in yeah. general and we know like there's movies that you like and you know they're not good but you still like them that's what our favorites list is from this year plus some other movies that undisputably if they're the best they're probably going to be one of your favorites too yeah and i think some of these are going to have some crossover so just just so, so bear know. with us for yeah. that so I guess we're starting out with our favorites. You want to start yeah, out with we'll your start. favorites? Yeah. Scott and I are probably going to have some different ones, some of the same. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll start out with my, we did the top 15. Sorry, we couldn't eliminate it anymore. Because when you do 10, it's kind of like most of the best become your favorites. So it's kind of hard. So we did 15 to add that little extra buffer of movies that we really enjoyed. Um, and again, not all that are on the best list are going to be on our favorites. That doesn't mean we don't like them and we don't think they're good movies. But these are movies that, one, we will watch again. Two, we really enjoyed. Or three, we just think are great. Okay? Go. I'll start out with 15. I like The Wedding Ringer. You can all hate me as much as you want. I love Kevin Hart. I think Josh Gad's really funny. The scene where they're dancing at a wedding is hysterical. I could watch it over and over again. And it was just a movie I really enjoyed from 2015. I did not put that on there, but that would probably be a runner-up for me because I, I think it's it's a brainless comedy that you can sit down and watch repeatedly and just enjoy. Yeah. So I didn't. I thought it was harmless entertainment and fun. Uh, my number fifteen pick is Krampus, and the reason why I picked this is that it it kind of has the feeling of like a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but it also has a kind of darker fairy tale vibe with the whole story of Krampus and I like the mix of horror and comedy with this this movie and I was really surprised at how entertaining it was because when I saw the introduction at Comic-Con I was like what is this garbage and I really really enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun Comic-Con so I think we should just go through our list like number by number Mm -hmm. because then if you stop and say like oh that was mine on this number, then we're going to like run out of... Yeah, go for it. So shut up. No. Yeah. Um, my 14 choice is The Duff um, with Mae Whitman and uh, not Stephen Amell, Robbie Amell. Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell. I love Stephen Amell. I will watch him anytime he live streams on Facebook. I get super excited. Um, but anyway, The Duff is just really like... A, I feel like it's like one of those 90s comedies. It kind of reminds me of like... They're early 2000s, like with Mean Girls, but it's just like general this teen comedy that doesn't have to be like grossly overly sexualized or, you know, disgusting to get laughs. It's just like situational funny humor with girls who are awkward and it's just, it's relatable. It's funny. It's one of those movies that I would watch with my girlfriends over and over again. Um, So I I think it was really good. I liked it and entertained me a lot. Yeah, I I liked the Duff too. I just didn't put it on this list. Okay. Uh, my uh, my 14 pick is uh, Spy. And um, Melissa I, McCarthy, no, Rose no, Byrne. I was just really I was really surprised by Spy because of the fact that we saw it really really early. Mhm. And then I saw it again at South by Southwest and I was surprised at how well it ho- it held up. Mhm. And it really does feel like something that the spoof parody 
genre like they can't achieve anymore this was really a, a good throwback because i think what movies. they do with the spoof comedy now is they just over like they like they feel like people are too stupid to figure out that it's a spoof so they over exaggerate the fact that it's a spoof to be like hey moron this is making fun of something where it's like trust the audience a little bit more and let them figure it out that yeah this is it's making fun of something um i actually saw spy three times so i like it i'd watch it again i watched it with my mom and my sister i watched it with my friend i watched it with you so it's you bought it for me so thanks you're welcome uh number 13 for you dope i really really like dope (laughs) <laughs> I really, really liked Dope too. I think it was it was a great film. I was so incredibly bummed that the movie it didn't do as well. Yeah. It, it's it's such it's got such a great story. It's got such a great message without being overly preachy and like in your face about it. It's a shame. It's if a you nice- haven't seen it, you really should seek it out. Um, Shamik Moore is in it. Um, Tony Revolari from that movie you like. I don't know. With the hotel. Oh, yeah, Grand Budapest. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. It didn't make a lot of money. It didn't get a lot of buzz, but it's a really great film. It deals with race relations without being in your face about it. Yeah, it was like the anti-dear white people. (laughs) Yeah. We're just going to step away from that Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your 13 choice? My number 13 is The Final Girls. Okay. I uh, thought this movie was really a lot of fun. Um, saw it at South by Southwest. It was one of those movies that the crowd just ate it up, and uh, we watched it. Me, Ash, Gabe, and Chad watched it, and it was still fun the second time around. Um, great. Another one with, which believes in the audience. It's a great parody of like Friday the 13th slasher films of the 80s. Just fun, silly you know, doesn't try to take itself too seriously. It works really well. And what actually is really good about this movie is if you listen to the podcast, you know I don't watch horror movies. I don't watch any thriller, like scary stuff because I just don't like it. You can still appreciate the movie, even if you're not a huge fan of like horror and that kind of stuff because it still translates well. It's still entertaining and it's still fun. Um, I did not put this on my list at all because I don't think I would watch it again. And that's the only reason. It's like it was enjoyable. It was great. I liked the performances, but I won't watch it again. Sounds fair. How about you? Number 12. Kingsman. I really liked Kingsman. (laughs) (laughs) What do do I got to say about Kingsman? I really really like Kingsman. No, it's like, it's one of those things where it's violent, but it's artistically violent, I guess you would say. Like, I can tolerate that. I think the the choreography and stuff like that was really great. Um, Colin Firth is, like, really interesting as that character. I don't ever think I've seen him play, like, some action type hero which was really good um the kids i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the kids. uh leah put him as the most uh breakthrough actor of 2015 is i think it's taron edgerton i think yeah that's his name. taron Eger- edgerton anyway he's really great so i think it's an interesting it's an entertaining movie um it's violent without being disgustingly violent uh, and i think it's definitely worth a look if you haven't seen it i would watch it again I don't think we bought it yet. No, no. We, we don't. We don't we have will this. We buy it. Uh, it's going to be released as one of the new Blu-rays on 4K. Yeah, they're trying that. What's that mean? It's like this new advance. You know, uh, like we can't. We can't. We got to go past 1080p now. We're going into 4K. 4K. 
So that's what it is. Well, um, I liked Kingsman, cool. but um, you know, I you know, I remember seeing this back in well, we saw this like way back, I think in January, or February. It was like one of the first movies we saw in the year because I was like, oh shit, it's going to be really bad. Yeah. And I mean, it was really good and it was entertaining. And we got an umbrella. And we got an umbrella. <laughs> if you saw the movie, it makes sense. We actually sense. do. It has yeah. the umbrella and it's got the target on the inside of it. And I feel really cool when I'm carrying it. So I, I really enjoyed that film too, but it didn't make my list. Cool. My number 12 pick is Turbo Kid. I didn't see it. Which I thought was, again, another great throwback to 80s movies. Um, it was like a sci-fi, horror, over-the-top, violent, horror. Horror, <laughs> violent movie. But I just really enjoyed the music. I, I loved the characters. Uh, saw, this, saw this at South by Southwest, too, um, and uh, really enjoyed it. So congratulations, South by Southwest. You have two movies on my list. That and you better actually, be this. Three. You three. better be good this year. That's amazing. Three movies from South by Southwest this year on my favorites list. That I'm actually never going. Never happens. All right, Ash, you're number 12. I already said it. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Kingsman. Oh, I'm sorry. 11, sorry. 11. I picked Spy. We already talked about it. It was funny. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and Rose Byrne have really great chemistry, and uh, the scenes where they're kind of going back and forth at each other are some of the funniest in the movie. Scott, your number 11 pick. The Martian. Really loved this movie visually. You saw it twice. Yeah, visually it's amazing. I saw it in the... They didn't have an IMAX screen It's at TIFF when I saw it originally, but it, womp, was, womp. it was on The Princess of Wales, and they have these really high-tech... Uh, glasses and I, I really really enjoyed this film and I, Matt Damon brought a lot of humor to the film Jeff Daniels great performance as well as all the supporting actors in this movie Kate Mara and a few others alright Ash number 10 for you my number 10 pick is something that people are probably going to say what the fuck Crimson Peak I really like dark like it's so weird with my tastes in movies and film and stuff because I like really dark, like, gothic stuff, but I can't stand anything violent. Um, so this is one of those movies that was really hard for me because, like, it looks really scary in some parts. And I was really concerned with whether I was going to be able to, like, handle it without freaking the hell out. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I like my guy, Tom Hiddleston's in it. I think he's awesome. And I was just super stoked to see it. It visually was really great. I could watch it again. Um, a lot of people didn't really like it, but I think it's entertaining and visually really cool looking. So I will see it again. I was more disappointed with that movie. The visual aspect of the of Crimson Peak is freaking amazing. Yeah. But I will say that I agree with most critics and most people who've seen the film and said it was lackluster in terms of the story department. So that's where that's what hurt me. And I mean, Ash doesn't see like she was saying; she doesn't watch a lot of these types of movies. So to say that's a good movie, a it's, it's actually it. it actually is a better you know kind of like gothic horror movie. Like there's not that many of them, and it's probably one of the better ones that I've seen. But in terms of Jessica Chastain is a freaking mess. <laughs> weird, oh my god, she's scary as shit. And then at the end, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that film because I really wanted to love it, but I just kind of walked out of it and said it was pretty good. Daniel Rester agrees with me that Crimson Peak was underrated. 
Oh, does he? Yeah. Wow. Woohoo. Daniel Rester validation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what do you got? I got number 10, which is sleeping with other people. This was a really surprising film for me because of the fact that I normally, if anyone knows me, one of the my least favorite genres is sex comedies because I feel like there's, They're gross. there's so much over the top gross sexual humor that it's kind of like made for like an immature 13 year old and not an intelligent, well-made crafted story about real people and sleeping with other people has great chemistry between Alison Brie and Jason Sudeikis, as well as probably the most douchebag performance I've ever seen from Adam Scott. <laughs> and he's so fucking good in the movie too. I like Adam Scott. He's such an he's asshole such in this weirdo. movie though. He's, he's either weird or like an asshole. Yeah. Like there's no in between character for him. And I, and I, um, Leslie H- Haley or oh God Headland, I think that's her the director's name of this. Who I thought I saw her at Sundance. I thought you can tell this woman loves movies, and I feel like there was so much throwbacks in the movie to other films. I, I really loved this movie. I thought it was a great adult romantic comedy that had some sexual humor in it, and it was kind of gross at times, but not to the point where you it wasn't granted. Yeah, where where it wasn't granted and actually made you laugh. And I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sleeping with other people is really good, really funny, and something really unexpected from like when you look at the title or the description, you're like, oh my god, this is gonna be terrible. But it's actually really good. I liked it too. My number what? Nine. Nine. My number nine, following the same vein of like gothic type movies, um, Victor Frankenstein, I really enjoyed. I thought it was really there's some again, really cool visual aspects that happen in the film where they do like overlaying of like drawings and um pictures and different um visual things that they do that are really cool with like illustration that I think look stunning i don't think a lot of people saw this movie i don't think a lot of people like this movie but it had two of my favorite actors in it james mcavoy and mr harry potter dan and radcliffe um so i was super stoked to see it i think it's really visually entertaining i'll watch it over and over again and i really like dark gothic movies so there's that okay um visually i liked the movie i thought the performances were good too um i thought this movie got a lot of hate for no real reason but i don't know why um, it came out at a really bad time, though. It was, like, smushed between Creed and Good Dinosaur. So, like, definitely. So, unless not. you knew about it and you wanted to see it, you didn't hear about it? No. And so. they did it. They, I love you guys at Fox, but you did a bad job marketing. Marketing was bad. We love you, but we wish you'd yeah. done better with marketing because we loved the movie. Well, I loved the movie. I liked it. Scott Menzel, number nine. All right. I am going to say Joy for my number nine pick. You uh, lie. That's not on your list. Well, no. We we talked about I this. Know. We talked about this earlier. So I I, I decided I Scott. some some last minute change ups here. Um, I really like Joy. Um, I think this is hands down Jennifer Lawrence's best performance. Um, I have to watch the movie again because I so many people are complaining about this movie and Joy. I, yeah, like mm. it, it has a lot of like mixed kind of reactions from from a lot of critics, and I don't I don't understand why. I, this is one of my favorite David O. Russell films, besides like The Fighter. I think The Fighter is probably still his best one, and then I Heart Huckleberries, which nobody actually ever talks, no one ever talks about. 
But yeah. I really liked um I really liked Joy. I really like Joy. Really like Joy. Jennifer okay. Lawrence. Okay. Go for it. Number eight. Yep. Sleeping with other people. Okay. We already talked about it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Over. It was it was close. Number eight. Dope. We, we already, already talked, talked about, about it. it. Yay. Number seven, the Martian. We already talked about <laughs> it. Number seven. American Ultra. God damn it. That's on my list later. Okay. American Ultra. Really enjoyed this. Kristen we Stewart. We saw it twice. Yep. In the theater twice. And we own it on Blu-ray. And we own it on Blu-ray. Kristen Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg, two stoners who... It's one of those movies <laughs> that's like really interesting because it looks like it's going to fucking be awful, but it's really entertaining. Like Jesse Eisenberg kicks some serious ass in this movie and it's just really random. You got Topher Grace in there. You've got... Tony Hale. Tony Hale. You've got some really random actors, but it's really funny. Topher Grace plays such a dick. You want to punch him in the face the entire movie. But like sooner comedies can be really stupid, but this one's actually really funny, really entertaining. It's got rewatchability. There's another really cool thing where they have a lot of animation that comes into it um, in different ways. And it's just, it's so fun and so weird. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I don't understand what critics were expecting from this one. It, it's like it's, it's like a stoner, it's a stoner, it's movie. A stoner <laughs> action comedy, and like, like dude, it hits all the numbers that it's supposed to hit with those. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea. Yeah, why, I don't understand why people didn't like this movie. It Whatever. No Whatever. Whatever. People. All right. We're on number six, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Love and Mercy. I love Love and Mercy. You but didn't I, put it on your list, uh, but I don't you have won't it on watch my, it again. I, I won't have it on my favorites. Um, I really think it's one of those movies that has a lot of layers that I think has rewatchability for that reason. I think it's one of those films that you'll watch it and you'll realize like another little um, idiosyncrasy or something of the actor or the performance or the story that you didn't notice the first time. And that's the reason why it's on my favorites list because I really can't wait to watch it again. We own it. I just need to finish the other movies from 2015 and then I'll probably watch it again. But I think the performances by Paul Dano and John Cusack are incredible. And Elizabeth Banks. It's probably her best performance ever. Hands down. Hands down her best performance. And I wish she would do more roles in that, like that than directing fucking Pitch Perfect 3. But don't get mad. Don't get mad. Get Number glad. six. Number six for me is going to be Room. And, You're uh, fucking shit up. Yeah, I'm no. I'm just switching. You're them moving up. stuff around. Uh, room for me. Uh, Brie Larson's performance amazing. Jake, uh, Jacob Tremblay's performance. They were gonna say e- J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons' <laughs> performance amazing in Whiplash. No, uh, J.K. J.K. Now you got me uh-huh. saying it. <laughs> Jacob Tremblay is amazing in this film. I mean, he's really one of the strongest child performances I've seen on the big screen in probably the last 10 to 15 years. He's awesome. He's so great. And the direction is so incredible. It really makes you feel claustrophobic. Well, if you look, I think their Facebook or their Twitter, one of them, the actual movie's Twitter is like showing you like pictures of when they were shooting and like how close the cameras actually are to everybody. It's like, it's amazing. It's, I, I, <laughs> I saw that movie twice too. So yeah, I, like I saw it. that three times. So it was really good. All One right. up me. Go for it. Number, Number five. five. Number five is me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good movie, <laughs> it's, it's especially movie. for people who love film. Like you're gonna get a little bit more out of it, I think, than people who don't. Um, the ending, if you've read the book, is not the same as the book. 
Um, I think the ending, this is one of those rare movies where the ending for this movie is better than the f- book. Yeah, I said that right. Okay. <laughs> so the film is better. Um, my dude, I can't think of his name. Thomas Mann. Thomas Mann was really great. Uh, Olivia Cook was great. But RJ Seiler is my favorite actor. He's the dude that plays Earl. Um, and he just, his delivery is really awesome. He's just such a realistic character and such a real person that you kind of forget you're watching a performance with him because he's just so present in the character. Um, he has some really, like, you have to listen to this movie, I think, very carefully because there's some, like, just lines that are done really quickly, but they're really funny and just random. Like, there's a scene where, um, Earl as a little kid is like calling out the cat that's sitting in the window. He's like, what you doing, punk ass cat or something like it's just like random, like funniness. It's like an awkward story. It's a teen. It's another one of those movies that's about teenagers, but it doesn't take teenagers. So um, it doesn't make them annoying. Yeah, or immature. It It makes them them like realistic and you, you know, you don't you respect them and you understand their struggle and their life. I mean, and the movie is about like this kid that whines like yeah he whines about life and everything but you don't hate him because it's it's done in such a realistic way that you really understand what he's going through and like how awkward his life is and how it's just really well done i'm done i can talk about it for like days yeah i really liked it i think we have i'm gonna talk about it later a little bit more okay Um, number five for you scott the voices i did not see it i I want to i love this movie I uh, just I love the ending. I mean, the sing sing a happy song moment at the end of the movie is like, I watch that. I'll be honest, I probably watch it like once or twice a month. That scene at the end, I love it so much. That's um, weird. It's um, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is so great in this movie, and it, it kind of it kind of sets him up for how great he's going to be in Deadpool because he plays a, like a, a little r- bit of a psychologically yeah, like, fucked up person. Yeah, like he's really fucked up in this movie mentally, and I feel like. Anna Kendrick playing the character that she plays in the film, it really it really works too because it's kind of like her bubbly personality, but also kind of shows like how clueless she can be because she cut she's she does a really good job of bordering those two lines of being bubbly and clueless in a lot of different movies that she's in. So, I I thought this movie was weird and different and creepy and funny it, it was a great well-written movie and uh great performances all around and visually again this is the the lady who did um Petropolis? what was that one persepolis what's, what's her name mary jane satrapy yeah you go you got it right yeah i, I think she's, she did a comic book or a graphic novel that's based um that persepolis is based off of I'm just really surprised this movie didn't go anywhere. And I mean, Lions- it's a shame. Lionsgate did a really bad job of uh, marketing people. It. Yes, marketing. marketing. All right, your number four. My number four is American Ultra, which we already talked about. Stoner comedy, go see it or rent it or whatever you got to do. My it's number awesome. four is Creed. Loved Creed. Absolutely you know, I watched Creed it. twice already. I would not watch it again. No. I think it's really good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's really great performances. Sylvester Stallone. Michael B. Jordan. Um, they're great, but it's just I don't... I've watched it twice already, and I think that's good. I, good. I actually only seen it once. I, I would, I'm going to probably try to see it again in the theater before it leaves, because I'm really... I really Me and loved Mate it. saw it. I it really was fun. Loved it. All right, number... We actually are the same on this one. Go for it. The Big Short. 
The Big Short. The Big Short. It what was a, one of the a, best movies of the year. What a great movie The Big Short was. And, and one that... You as, don't think is going to be No. Good. The best part about The Big Short is the fact that the more I thought about this movie, the more I liked it. I know. And, and I keep ra- bringing it up on my list. I know. And then, like, Scott and I, I... The day we went to go see the screening, I'm like, what's this movie about? And he told me. I was like, I really don't want to fucking see this movie. Like, please don't make me go. I don't want to go. And he dragged me. And it ended up being super entertaining, super funny, just a really great movie. I'm so glad I went. So if you're one of those people that's like, oh, man, mortgage, housing crisis, I'm not going to understand any of this shit. Go see it. It's funny. It's entertaining. Most of all, it's informative to get you really pissed off at the fucking big banks in this country and how they fucked everybody. Um, but you should check it out. Don't shy away from it because of the topic. Steve Carell gives one of his best performances. Um, he's just he's that character that's so real and ha- who everybody associates with and they understand him um so definitely if you have not seen the big short check it out it's also got ryan gosling who's a very handsome man he's in that movie uh i know people like him and people love ryan gosling ryan gosling some people don't understand i like the memes on facebook they're like hey girl i'm like i'll read them like no matter what they say because i'm like it's ryan gosling hell yeah uh, I thought you know the big short really uh, i give a lot of credit of this movie i I, to the direct the director Adam McKay because he did shit like yeah, right yeah like I mean and I'm not gonna I'm to not be. even gonna say that it is shit it's just that he's done a standard like type of Will Ferrell comedy but, over and over and over again but if you compare that to the Big Short it's shit yes <laughs> like yeah. come on the yeah. Big Short is like the cherry on top like the best it's like amazing and then you fucking see Will Ferrell yeah, movies that he, he did before you're like what else did Adam Talad- McKay do and Talladega then you see Nights. freaking Talladega Nights you're like what so this is a complete 180 for Adam McKay and, and it's because it doesn't star Will Ferrell that's probably why I can't stand Will Ferrell <laughs> I know people love him but I just I want to smack I don't, him I don't get him he's going down and the Adam Sandler road my favorite thing is someone and if you're listening I apologize because I really don't remember who gave this to me but someone gave me the best of Will Ferrell SNL DVD one year for Christmas and I was like wow we're not friends <laughs> I don't remember who it was and I think it was probably just someone that forgot but I was like seriously that's how much I don't like Will Ferrell so I usually and, won't and that's see what, anything and, and that's in. when he was the best in all fairness I know I mean Live. but I think it's I, I know he's good on Saturday Night Live but because of all the other shit he did after it I'm like forget you I'm done yeah cool beans all right number, number two, two. Where room. to invade next? My turn. Oh, sorry. Room. Room. We already right, talked about, 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 about room. So my number one <laughs> is where to invade next. Okay, so now we Which can is talk Scott's about- number two. Right. So we all talk about where to invade next. It is one of my absolute favorite movies of the year. It's amazing. I don't like Michael Moore movies normally. I don't want to see somebody lecturing me about shit. It gets on my nerves. I don't like documentaries very often. But where to invade next is a really important film for everyone especially in the United States, to see because it's not anti-American. It's not I hate this country. It's this is it's Michael Moore going to other countries and invading, quote unquote, and taking different ideas of what we should have here in the United States, like universal health care and good nutrition and meals for kids in schools and takes that and kind of explains what's done in other countries and how we could why we need it in the United States. And basically, he's just saying, like, the United States was a great country. We can be there again. 
our country deserves this, this, and this, and this is what everybody else around the world does. And people, the best, sorry, the best thing about the actual movie, I think that makes it really impactful is it makes you reflect in, reflect on yourself and like the United States and your country if you live in the United States and say like, wow, that's really fucked up that we don't have that. Because you listen to Michael Moore actually tell certain people from other countries that we don't have things like, you know, I mean, now we have universal health care. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. <laughs> We're not getting into that. But we have universal health care. But things like paid maternity leave, no matter what job you work, or um, valuable nutritional meals for kids in schools. Like, you see the things that French kids eat in a kindergarten or class or education like how they approach education and they don't use standardized tests it's like different things that really make you think and they show you them in countries where it's working it's you know the kids are benefiting from it they're you know they're scoring high you know they're the best kids in the country in the world for certain things and it's you know attributed to the decision like how college is free in most countries in Europe it's like things like that like you know there's no $120,000 in debt kids at 25 years old coming out of school with that much debt like it's just it's a great film I I can go on and on and on and on and on about it for hours but it's great yeah it's worth checking out I think um you know, and Ash Ash should not say that she doesn't like Michael Moore movies because she has never watched. No, I she, said she I don't like Michael Moore. But you haven't watched any of. No, his- I know, but I said I don't like Michael Moore because, you know, he's very in your face, and I will say that I didn't appreciate him when I was younger, and I'm saying that I will watch his movies now, and I think I align with him much more as a 28-year-old than I did as, you know, an 18-year-old, I think, when Bowling for Columbine and that stuff came out. Um, so I'm not saying I don't like his movies. I said I previously didn't like him. Oh, okay. Because I just, I feel like with Michael Moore, what what, what I love personally, he's, he's, he's really one of my favorite documentary filmmakers for, for numerous reasons, but probably the number one reason that I, I love him as a filmmaker is the fact that he tackles very important subject matters. And what he does is that he kind of looks at a very broad spectrum of different things and kind of shows you many different examples. And I, I, I feel like we need people like Michael Moore to kind of speak up and talk about these things because people in the government and people, you know, like these, these, these talking heads on Fox news and stuff like that. And also, I mean, even let's even be honest, like CNN and all that stuff they they, they say like one side or another and they don't kind of like back anything up. They're just kind of like, ah, oh, here's what it is. And, um, you know, Michael it's like Moore sensationalist newscasting. It's like, here's this outrageous headline yeah, and we'll give you nothing to back it up. And I and I think I think like Michael Moore like uh, people like the the right hates Michael Moore because of the fact that like he's just he just throws ideas out and he's like we should improve these things like and, and that's that's the best thing about where to invade next is the fact that he just shows us a bunch of American ideals that we originally had and somehow got lost in the, in the shuffle and he says like why can't we use these he's right. just like presenting them like here's here's solutions to problems that Americans that's, are facing that's awesome like ultimately like when bowling for combine 
came out, like the NRA jumped on him so much, like for that movie. And it's kind of like, he didn't give like an answer at the end of the movie. Like, here's how to solve it. Like he doesn't give in this movie. Like people need to know this is an issue. Like this is an issue. You know, focus on it. We should be paying attention to it. And, um, it just, it's, it's, it's funny. It's sad. And I saw this one twice too. Um, it's just, it's a great storytelling and it showcases. It makes you cry and it makes you laugh at different points. Like it's hard. And, and, a, and a documentary, and that's the reason why so many people don't watch documentaries is because nobody wants to watch a documentary. I mean, you want to learn something from a documentary. That's the point of a documentary, but you can be entertaining and interesting and kind of like make it funny and make it sad and kind of play with all that. You don't have to just be like, oh, blah, 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 an hour and a half of people just talking about, like, why global, like, oh, the terrible, terrible global warming documentary that fucking Al Gore made. Oh, my God. But, like, you don't I remember that one. Oh, it's so pretentious and annoying. Like, oh, I'm Al Gore. Listen to me talk. Here, I'm going to go up on an elevator. Um, But, yeah, just, I love Where to Invade Next. That's why it's Even, and I want to say, like, (laughs) obviously... Scott and I lean a little bit to one direction. If you lean a little bit to the other direction than us, um, you're still able to get something from this movie, I think. I I don't think it's one of those movies that's so polarizing. Um, I think it's one of those movies that's really attempting to get everybody on the same page and say, like, look, these are some really great things that we should have in this country. America deserves this. Don't you all agree? I just think it's really something that is well done and should be seen by left wing, right wing, middle wing, people who should not have bias towards us. Yeah. That's Don't have bias towards the film because it's made by Michael Moore. It's really something that's I told my grandfather, who is a very Republican man, I told him that he should see it. And he might. He usually listens to my movie suggestions <laughs> if I tell him to watch something. Um but I just I don't think you should have bias based on it being Michael Moore. Give it a chance. Yeah. It's really well done. And then my number one was Me and Earl, which we already talked about and it's going to show up later on. So I'll go so into, we'll, I'll we'll go talk. more into detail about that later. Do you want to do the worst? Yeah, we're going to do that next. But I just some honorable mentions for me for the favorites. So because so people don't think that I'm like an asshole and I didn't see some say some of these movies. Use a dick. So I will say that some of the ones that are running up, if I was doing like a 20 list, I would also say Star Wars, The Force Awakens. There you go. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Um, I really liked The Intern. I thought that was very underrated. Another small independent film that I really enjoyed, Seven Chinese Brothers. Um, big budget, San Andreas, I thought was a ton of fun. And Mistress, Rock. And Mistress America. Cool I means really I didn't do an honorable mention. Okay, no problem. We're going to go do the worst now. so Because that's those. always fun. Yeah, those are always fun. Yeah. All right, what's your, what'd you do, 15 or 10? I did 10, so you you got to do 10. Okay. So we're going to start with number 10. Uh, can I just, let me just run through my 15 real quick, from 15 to 10, uh, from no. 11. I just want to run through no. them real quick. I did them I because, said no. no, I'm telling you, yes. <laughs> I Fif- said. 15 is the night before, 14 is daddy's home, 13 is the cobbler, 12 is results, and 11 is a ridiculous six. Those are all terrible films. I said no. Okay. You're done. Go, go for all it. All right. <laughs> so the 10... Number 10 on my list is Fifty Shades of Grey. It's so painfully awkward to watch two people who are supposed to have really great sexual ten- like chemistry and appeal to not have it and then have like some really important scenes where they're talking about like child abuse or like 
something really serious and the performances are so bad that people are actually laughing in the theater. Um, I really hope they get their shit together with this film because there's two more, possibly three, if they do what they always do and break the third book into two films. Um, I just really hope they get it together. But Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan, I don't think, like each other very much either. So this is just... It's just a shit fest. So EJ... What's E.L. James thinks she's going to fix it by coming in and doing the oh, script for the next right. film. Because the best part about it is... Because the problem is the writing. Yeah, the problem is the writing. Um, but, I mean, the writing in the book is actually not, you know, very well written either. So, there's actually errors in the book, which is really always amazing to me that, like, somebody writes a book, and they edit them themselves, editor. like, six times, and then they have an editor, and then they have, like... A publishing company and everything, and nobody picks up on errors in the book. It's like, how how did that happen? Anyway, Fifty Shades of Grey, giant pile of poopy. I'll talk about that. Number brief, ten, briefly. Ten, Pitch Perfect two, terrible movie. Scott hated it. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate I it. I hated this movie. It was a fucking cash grab of a sequel. The direction was shit. The storyline was ripped from like a season of Glee, and the. Oh God, Rebel Wilson and that other guy need to stop. I don't her boyfriend in this movie. Terrible. The only somewhat interesting storyline was a secondary storyline involving Anna Kendrick working with a record label, and they should have focused on that and just kind of did like a spin-off type of movie. But instead, they just tried to throw this movie together about going to like like a world-renowned dance or sing-off competition, whatever the fuck it is. And they were, they, were, they were against the Germans, which was like, oh, it's so funny because they ter- talk like Germans. Let's be stereotypical Germans. Uh, terrible. I'm not saying film. that this is a good movie by any means, but I didn't hate it nearly as much as Scott did. All I right, don't want them to make another one, but they're going to. So, yeah, I know. How about nine? Number nine, Fantastic Four. That is... <laughs> okay, like superhero movies. I get it. They make a lot of money. There's a lot of them. They have a lot of appeal. People read comic books. I wrote an article about why we don't need any more, if you want to check that out on the We Live Entertainment site. But Fantastic Four is the most fucking boring, 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 boring superhero movie. How can you have a superhero movie with people that have superpowers and like they can do all this crazy shit and they go to another world and it's fucking boring? That is like an art to make this movie fucking <laughs> boring as shit. Nothing happens. Oh my God. And then Doctor Doom comes out and you're like, this is very anticlimactic. Yeah. What is happening? Okay, cool. Can I fucking leave? That was like, I was literally getting angry watching this movie. Like I started vibrating like because I was like, fucking finish you're not no point no point no point to the entire movie the performances were bad what's his fucking name needs to stick to both of them need to stick to michael b jordan michael b jordan and, and then my guy miles teller miles teller fucking amazing in creed and amazing in whiplash stay away from big budget movies that is not your niche you need to stay with the little rt creed was a big budget movie i know but, but I mean, you know like, what the difference was because it was made by an independent director that's and it was I'm, awesome yes. yeah so fucking Someone who cared. No. <laughs> I hope they're not making any more Fantastic Four I don't, movies. I don't think so. I think. I think it bombed bad enough and got enough bad reviews that they fucking gave up. 
but it was horrible. They'll revamp it 10, horrible. 15 years now. No, that's the other problem. They didn't fucking wait long enough. The last one came out in like the 2000s, and I remember that one, and I like that one more than this one, no, and I didn't like that one okay. either. Yeah. It was bad. But, yeah, and then but the it was dude okay. with the rock voice, it's like, what? the guy that's the rock thing. Oh, he's terrible. Whatever. Yeah, His voice know. is terrible. The acting's terrible. It's like, what the, what the flying fuck is going on? I should have prefaced this part of the show by saying there's going to be a lot of f <laughs> well it's the worst of year so of course it is fantastic four is a fucking mess yeah don't yeah. see that movie don't rent it don't give it any more money no it no it was bad but it is on my honorable men my dishonorable mention list it makes me I, mad. I actually saw worse movies some of I these feel. movies make me really mad this is one of them uh number nine for me is paul blart mall cop 2 i didn't see the, that because the only the only question i'm like why why is there why is a number there two? two and there will be a number three because i think it made like 70 or 80 million dollars i don't know because people have nothing better to do with their time you know and they like fat people falling down apparently that must be like youtube this, you yeah. don't have to pay for youtube fat people falling down and eating food okay go to youtube here's here's my suggestion <laughs> people that like paul blart too or paul blart or fat people falling down <laughs> go to youtube Watch a video. Those videos are monetized by the fat person that probably fell down, <laughs> and you can give them money instead of giving movie studios money to make this shit. Sounds good. Now, Scott and I, I should have also prefaced this by saying, Scott goes to see a lot more terrible movies than I do because I, if I, because I get enraged when I see bad movies. So I just kind of assume that I'm going to hate stuff like that. Um, and if Scott's like, oh, it's really not that bad, I might watch it, but... That's why there's very our lists probably differ for that reason. Yeah, but my movies have legitimate complaints besides the fact that they're just shit. Okay, number eight for you then. Sorry, number eight is in the heart of the sea with Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> who's a very handsome man. But what the fuck is going on with CGI in this movie? Ron Howard, how dare you? It's so bad. Like the. It's a movie where they're on a fucking boat. They're on a fucking boat, right? The water CGI has to be good if you're in a fucking boat. It, I was watch- when we were watching Gallivant this week. I was like, the CGI in, in Gallivant is, is better. better. The CGI in an ABC show that nobody thought was going to get a second season is better than the CGI in a Ron Howard film. How the fuck does that happen? <sighs> It's it's bad. And then the the the, the secondary accents. actors. Oh wait, I wasn't even going there oh. yet. The the supporting actors, like some of the scenes are so bad to the fact that they stick out in my mind and Scott and I looked at each other like this was the best one they had cuz dude's like I told you not to do like it's really that bad in some scenes and you're like the fuck can we reshoot this Ron <laughs> Howard or did you spend too much money on the terrible water CGI? Like what the fuck is going on? And then, poor Chris Hemsworth, you are a beautiful man. You do not do a New England accent very well. It's back and he, forth he, between, he like... Can, let's be honest. The man could barely act. Like, he's... He just he's, needs he's to be shirtless, Thor and I hate to be... Because of the fact that he's Thor and just has to he look doesn't pretty have to say anything. and throw a hammer. That's and all he has to do. he doesn't say much. That's good. And I don't mean to be, like, a sexist, objectifying person, but you're a very handsome man. I'm sorry you're not a good actor. And he tried really hard. Like, he lost weight and stuff, and he, like... Yeah, he did the I was he like, did the wow, Bell. I'm really impressed with you. Fuck, it's still not good. Yeah. 
Oh my god, this it was it was really painful watching this movie in the theater. We were like, what the fuck? And I'm like looking at Scott. If Scott and I have to make eye contact more than like three times during a movie, yeah, it's a bad it's going to be on our bad list. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. awesome. Number the, eight. That's the runner up. Some mine too. Uh, my Fifty Shades of Grey. That yeah, that movie is that fucking terrible. It's just I don't know. I I feel you know I feel. I still to this day still feel bad for Dakota Johnson because like I don't she she like literally like had to bear all and like she really seemed like she was trying and it's just like nothing else about the movie worked like they're like oh here's a here's a helicopter scene you know with mm-hmm. Beyonce soundtrack in the back round like really okay you know, the only thing that came good out of Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey is love me like you do because we sing it to our dog yeah that's the only thing. <laughs> Like that's what we—that's what Scott and I got for Fifty Shades of Grey this year. We get to sing a song to Tarzan. There you go. Awesome. All right, no more. Number no seven, Chappie. Oh. oh, oh! You forgot about that movie. How did? Oh, I didn't. How did you miss oh Chappie? Oh my god! I'm, oh, a bad, bad. No, Scott. it's gonna. It, it, you're mixing one up. It's, All right, yeah. Chappie. <laughs> I love Dev Patel. He's awesome. I usually really love Neil Blomkamp. I love District Jackman? 9. I loved Elysium. Hugh Jackman. I love you. This movie. This so. movie is like almost beyond words. The worst part is Yolandi and Ninja, who I think are like Australian rappers, rappers or, or hip-hop singers or, or hop, yeah. hip-hop artists. Bihani's like, you don't know who these people are. <laughs> are uh, <laughs> who but, are they? That's what it's called. They're they're actually uh, they've been approached to like do a tour with like Lady Gaga and do other things, and they've denied it because they don't want the fame, which Lady Gaga has turned to this leave to, which makes me appreciate because I used to hate her. But they don't care about the fame; they just care about getting their message out, and they actually talk about a lot of like politics and stuff. They're from Africa. Africa, that's where it was. <laughs> South, like South Africa. Yes. Okay, yes. I thought but it was they shouldn't be actors. They I shouldn't will. act. It's really bad. I think they just. Yeah. She exaggerated like gangster characters in the film they're like yo yo i'm like oh god if you say yo more than like five times in like two sentences i'm done like i can't listen to you but they're just over exaggerated and they try to make chappy which is a robot into a little gangster and they give him a gun and try to get him to rob a convertible chappy gangster number one chappy gangster number one like that's literally how oh god yeah it's really bad and that's the worst part about the film you think, and then you see fucking Hugh Jackman with a mullet, and you're like, no, no. He's so bad. He's so bad in the movie. Yeah. That's that's the disappointing part, because you're like, yeah, Hugh Jackman, he's really good, Les Miserables, and all that fun stuff. 
Man, fucking chappy what happened yeah i don't it know it was bad you know i was excited that it he was, was leaving. epically bad i was excited he was leaving x-men until like i seen this year worth of movies what he's and done and you're like, like you yeah. need to go back into x-men so you can get the shit out of your system and like do other stuff but yeah chappy was pretty bad i can't believe i forgot that one i can't believe you forgot that i can't that believe one. i forgot it's that. another one of those i, I, get I, mad I wrote about. it i wrote it on my um you missed it my disappointed list on um womp 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 your okay. womp womp list. Uh, your number seven pick my is... My number... We Are Your Friends. Oh, uh, this that one's on my terrible, list, too. Terrible movie. This is a movie about... Um, takes place here in the San Fernando Valley. Which you're like, yay, I know where that is. And um, the worst part about this movie is the fact that visually there there's some great qualities to it. Mm-hmm. The fact that none of the fucking characters you matter don't fucking care. and you don't care about them. and Someone so, dies. So, yeah. Someone and, dies and you have zero emotional reaction. You're like, yeah. Which is really saying something because I cry at like commercials where there's like a puppy or like I have the to children, the children the, dying the children in Africa. Of Africa. Like I get really upset and I cry and like I have to mute the TV when the Sarah McLaughlin yeah. song comes on with the puppies and the crying and I'm like, oh my God. And I cried at like this other commercial for State Farm, no, Traveler's Insurance where it played and the, the little girl grows up in the house and the dad, you get it. I cry over fucking everything. This dude died and I was like, yeah, well, let's continue. Let's continue with the story um and it's just it was really a bad terrible film it's just it, bad and then the end happens and you're like and it, the best part oh, is, it's, is it's like it's like the guy's a dj so there's like club music and there's like bass and you think you get like super excited you're like, yeah this is hype i'm good you're so bored you're just like mm-hmm. i don't care yeah it was zach yeah. efron's in a tank top 90 percent <laughs> of the time He's just kind of like, I got nice arms. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what the whole movie focuses. Yeah. What's well, um, that? And then every time the um, the hot brunette kind of dances, they're always like, let's let's get a close-up of, slow of either her boobs or, or her ass. Like, that's and all we're like, going to keep doing. Like, yeah, okay. It was just great. one of those movies where I kind of just sat there and was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, I, It was bye-bye. way too fucking long. I couldn't wait for that really movie long. to be over. That movie's it terrible. It was really long and really bad. And then, like... There's this weird thing where, like, Zac Efron gets with the girl who's with another guy who's helping him be a better DJ. <laughs> I don't care. I just, the ending, like, literally when the kid, when the person dies in this movie and then the rest of the movie, like, the movie was, like, somewhat tolerable up to that point. But mm-hmm. once that happens You're just and like, the Ooh. rest of the movie, it's so, like, anticlimactic. There's... You didn't and like care. he gets to this scene at the end where he's like bumping <laughs> with his like bass, big speakers, and he's at this like big. I'm sure people who are more into like DJ, that type yeah. of music understand it. But it's like he's like there's, you know, but like even they beach don't balls like it. bouncing around and shit, and everybody's super hype. And then the audience in the movie was is it just co- like, was it supposed to be Coachella? It might have been. I think it might have been Coachella, or they tried to reference Coachella and they couldn't get, get the, the rights, rights for to reference yeah. Coachella. Good job, Coachella, if they asked you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So that's shit fest. Number six for me is another giant poop fest. Aloha. <laughs> I get really excited. Bradley Cooper, hell yeah. Emma Stone, hell yeah. I got so excited. John Krasinski. Rachel fucking McAdams. It's like a white person's dream. <laughs> and you're like, yes. Little, like, it's like the girls, that it's like I wrote, like, yoga wearing like people who are like i love the notebook and pumpkin spice lattes like that kind of person is gonna love this movie so you get super excited you're like hell yeah what the fuck what the fuck 
Yeah. Because the worst part is Emma Stone is trying to somehow convince you that she's part Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. She is whiter than me. And I'm like, white. Well, I remember like, they made that joke. Was it, was it Ricky Gervais who made the joke that said that she... Lo- no, it was Tina Fey. I love who, Tina Fey. Who made a joke that said that she looks like a Tim Burton character. Yeah. Like, she's got giant yeah. eyes. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's just like, it's 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 offensive in a lot of ways. To, I would imagine to Hawaiian people, it's like this girl's saying she ho- she's Hawaiian and she obviously doesn't look Hawaiian at all. But that's not the biggest problem. that's not the, the biggest problem. The, the biggest problem is it movie. takes fucking three quarters of the movie to get to the whole reason why Bradley Cooper is there. Like you have no idea really what's but, going but on the until reason like the why, end. And you're but like, the reason why he's there is so absurd that you just don't give two shits or two fucks or whatever the case may be because there's underneath this love triangle type story that goes on Mm there is a secondary storyline about some nuclear weapons that alec baldwin and bradley cooper are a part of that no one gives a shit about I I really I couldn't believe how bad this movie was because we ever I think because you every, get excited every, you're like yeah well this is the guy who did this is the guy who did Jerry Maguire this is the I guy who Maguire. did say anything and he does Aloha like what uh, and it had like the the casting is so I mean Bill Murray's in this and so much potential terrible. All right, next oh, one. Oh, yeah, Bill Murray is in this. He's kind of just Bill Murray in this movie, though. He's kind of like wandering around, Bill, like, I like. I Bill, like Bill Murray, like, they're like, here, I we'll like buy alcohol. you some beer. Yeah, yeah. that's just like. I like, like alcohol and possibly some drugs, and I'll be in your mood. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt, too. Oh, I forgot. And then Alec Baldwin's in this, too. Yeah, he's, he's part of the nuclear storyline. Which nobody understands yeah, until the not, last no, part of the movie. No. Sorry, my uh, head's hot. My number six is Eden. No I one ever saw it. it. No one ever cared about it. It's a movie, another movie about French DJs in the 90s. It was just mm. terrible. I saw it at TIFF. It was bad. Okay, number five. Oh, wait, that's the wrong list. I got really confused. <laughs> I was looking at my best list, and I'm like, why did I hate that? Um, this, is, this is a film that <laughs> nobody is going to agree with me on except for a few random trolls on the internet, obviously. While we're young, I fucking hate Noah Baumbach movies and his hipster bullshit. I can't take it. He's pretentious. I just want to smack the shit out of him. If I see one more Greta Gerwig movie with him, I'm going to fucking shoot myself. Well, they'll be making more movies together since they're... This is one of those movies where we walked out of and I was really angry. Like legitimately angry because it's such bullshit and stupid crap. That's all I'm going to say because I, nobody agrees with me. No. So it's fine. I literally like Number the movie. Number five. I, really I don't like care. The movie. I don't care. Little Boy. I've heard about you, it. <laughs> aren't you sad you didn't get to see Little Boy? No, a because movie you know it's already on Netflix. That makes it seem that the, the bomb dropping is, is actually a good thing so that a little boy can get his father to come home and who cares about all those people who died because the little oh, boy... That's, that's a great message. The little boy got his... It doesn't have a Christian yeah. background too? It does oh, have a Christian background Oh, Christian undertones. Yeah. Kevin James is a, as a shady um, barbershop guy. Oh, great. Great Kevin movie. James. Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm done. You could, Just those things alone, I should just say, what the fuck? Right. What number are we on? We're four? on four. This is like a never-ending hell fest. Um, we are your friends. I hated it more than you, obviously. Yeah, it was bad. Number, number four for me is Pan. I also hated that more than you then. Did you? Yeah. Well, because you didn't see the... Well, you the only other saw, well, shit fest that's yeah. in there. 
Oh, Pan. Oh, this movie. I don't even know where to begin with Hugh Jackman. Let's start with Hugh Jackman (laughs) and that wig. Like, the best part of the movie, I think, is where they're... It feels like they threw a scene in there where he takes off his wig to kind of, like, as a filmmaker saying, like, we're not doing bad makeup. It's a wig. It's supposed to look bad. But I don't think it was. I think it just ended up looking bad. But anyway, he's terrible. He's over the top. There's a scene where they sing Nirvana. Yeah. I just want... I don't... There was that, and there was... Was there a Ramones, too, song? Like, it was weird. Like, it... It seemed it didn't like know what it wanted there to was a point in this movie where it actually like started singing musical numbers that I thought like okay maybe it's going to be like a rock musical which or could something, be cool which could have been cool to turn Peter Pan into that but no, no. it just disappeared after the the, the they like did it and it was out of place and then you're like why and I, then Hugh Jackman <laughs> comes out in like his little skirt that fluffalump. I don't know. It's just like a bubble that was on his butt that it was feathers. Oh, I don't know yeah, what I don't happened. Know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, and then the sad part was that like on some parts of this movie, like the... The, the visual the, the aspects vis- are really good. Some of them were. Some of yeah. them were really bad. It was very weird. There were some movie. really cool visual things and you're like, yeah. And then there's some really bad stuff and you're like, why? And then there's Hugh Jackman and you're like, oh. And then you have the little kid. It was horrible. Oh my God. He oh, was really and, bad. And the guy... Who's kid the, perf- who's child the, performers that were really bad. That yeah. one was pretty bad How about year. the Captain Hook guy? What Captain Hook? Uh, the guy who was... James Hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Watch goes. the trailer. That's exactly how he sounds. He's <laughs> like... He sounds like the guy that's trying to do like a Richard Nixon impression for the movie Dick. Yeah. <laughs> He's so over the top. He's James like, Hook. He's like, it can't get any worse than this. It's like, okay. <laughs> you keep talking and it will. Yeah, oh my God. God. That one's so bad. The, we forgot the, about him. The, the saddest part... <laughs> the worst part about this movie... <laughs> The director of this movie did great films. He did um, Hannah with uh, yeah. Ronan, and he did, um, I think he did Atonement. I want to say it's Atonement. Atonement wasn't that great, but better. It, was, I was a, it, it wasn't was a, Pan. It was a solid period piece, if you like yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. There was a couple other things he's done, but I was like, Joe Wright, what the hell did you do with what this What happened? Movie? What happened? What happened here? All right, go for it. Next. What number are we on? We are on three. And the Ooh, fire, fire engines here take, taking us away. Put out the fires. Of these <laughs> they're stinkers. they're warning you that the fucking Adam Sandler movie I'm about to talk about, <laughs> the Cobbler. Well, another one of those movies where nothing fucking happens for like the first forty five minutes, and you're just like, I don't care what happens in the rest of this movie. Everybody can die for all I care. No, it's just bad. The worst the worst part about the Cobbler is the fact that like someone actually thought the concept was good, like. So it's a movie about Adam Sandler walking in another man's shoes because he fixed soul because he fixed soles of shoes in a shoe store. Like they sold that to someone and they were like, It's a good idea. Like, that's amazing. And I think it's worse that they got Dustin Hoffman in this movie. Like I Academy even. Award winning actor who starred in The Graduate and Midnight Cowboy and so Here's many what I movies. Have to say. Adam Sandler has to have some dirt on people in Hollywood. Like, he has to have something that he can hold over these people to put them in his movies. I, I agree. Because it's bad. I, like, don't, I don't know they're how. They're not good movies. Like, he hasn't made a good movie since, like, Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. I think Gilmore. 50 First Dates, right, was his 50 last? 50 First Dates was good. I liked it. I think that was, it like, his last one that was. Decent. 
I got mean, the he did average punch ratings. Love and like you know, but it's like oh, and Spanglish and Sp- Spanglish. But those were not. But Spanglish, those were movies though that he didn't produce and yeah. wasn't his production. He, stop company. letting him produce movies, yeah. please. Thank you. But please the funniest thing, and I don't think the Cobbler was actually produced by his his uh, production company. The worst part about this is the guy who directed Spotlight actually directed and I believe wrote the Cobbler, which is sad. But what a sad situation. Maybe Adam Sandler was like, my name's not on it. Maybe people will see it. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Um, number three Number three for, for me. Vacation. 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 I, I you hit, love the originals. I, loved, I love the originals. I mean, Christmas Vacation and the regular Vacation. With the squirrel in the tree. Even, even Vegas so Vacation funny. and European Vacation. I know people, those are by far like the weaker, like, you know, you put... Vacation and Christmas Vacation are pretty much up there One and two. as terms of comedy classics. And then you have European Vacation, which is a step and down. Vegas. And Vegas is a little bit more step down. But then you put in Vacation, and it's like it fell down the steps, and then someone kicked it again, and it fell down another flight of steps, and then you kicked it again, and it fell down another flight of steps. And then you ended up with Crimps. Fucking Chris Hemsworth's in this movie again. I forgot that he's in this movie. Oh, yeah. You get to oh see his penis god. outline. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's fucking again, by far. He's just pretty. It's just. Sorry, He's guy. so terrible. Like penis, penis jokes and like, oh, look, I'm going to put a plastic bag over my brother's head and choke him to death. And then I'm going to get yelled at and say, fuck you, brother. I hate you, brother. Like, And it's funny. That's funny. It's People actually funny. said that was funny. Or a guy committing suicide in a canoe. That's funny, too. Don't know why. And then the cheap throwback to the original. The whole, the whole plot's The lady up. that's driving in the convertible. Oh, That uh, get hit by yeah, a semi. Yeah, like, that's not funny, either. That's not a- funny. And then they, they somehow managed to get Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo no. in this movie for, like, two minutes. And just then, like, you think, like, all right, the fucking first 90 minutes of this movie was painful and i'm like maybe there's going to be like some kind of like redeeming factor here where they're going to be brought in and it's like they're just there they're shooing the story to kind of move it along they're like okay ross you got to keep doing this and it's like they're there for two minutes and then it's back to and i bet they regret those two minutes i bet you they do too they're probably like damn we shouldn't have done that yeah okay what are we on two two pan we already talked, we already about, talked about, about James Hook. <laughs> James Hook. Now, number one for you and number two for me is Are Pixels. Pixels. Fucking Which is funny Adam because Sandler. on the favorite list, we did the same thing. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, fucking Adam Sandler. I, I love your your uh, best uh, your worst of list where you're like, does no one think the fact that Josh Gad has sex with the woman and they have baby cuberts is weird? <laughs> like, I just love that. Because it's like nobody, like, that's okay. Like, everybody just glossed over the fact that, like, in a, in a kid's a fat movie, Jewish dude has sex with a, a like an animated, animated, animated character who was actually Cubert originally. <laughs> yeah. And then they have little baby Cuberts. Like, nobody goes, that's fucking weird and wrong. And what? I think by the time people got to that, they were just like, fuck, I'm done. Well, it's because. When you start a movie and you have Adam Sandler looking bored as shit, like he—that's one thing. Like he was the least, he was the the least worst thing about this movie. He was the least annoying character. But at really the same amazing. time, it's hilarious because he looks so fucking bored and uninterested during the whole entire movie. You know, I think the worst part of this movie <laughs> is 
fucking Peter Dinklage. He's such a douche nozzle with a... Oh the accent. God. The accent. His accent's bad, too. <laughs> they have, like, acting coaches for accents, right? I know. Like, do we not use them? Like, Adam Sandler, is that out of your budget? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, they got Sony's got to stop giving uh, him money. They really do. They're like, don't, we don't care. Here you go. I don't, I don't understand. But it's like, you know, a whole generation loves these, like, arcade, like, movies and the, the right. arcade I mean, games and stuff like that. Think about it. You did not, got like... Tron and, like, all those other movies that were based on it, but fucking... Yeah. Well, think about this. I know you didn't like Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, but Wreck-It Ralph wasn't terrible. No, no, but, like, that was specifically towards gamers and stuff like that. Yeah. It was a really well-made film yeah. for those type of... To those types who really enjoy gamer movies. This one could have been a lot of that, but the problem was is that they didn't care about who they put in the movie or the actors or anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't care about the storyline at all. No, I so, agree. So it's terrible. Uh, my number num number my one. Number number my one. number number one is Knock Knock, which I, I didn't see. I honestly thought like, you know, I hated this movie when I saw it at Sundance and I, I really thought like I would see something I thought maybe Vacations or Pixels or Pan would like surpass it like but there is a sh sheer hatred that I have towards this movie <laughs> and I think I think what makes it even worse is the whole initial setup for it which I'll just kind of run through real quick I put Knock Knock as one of my most anticipated films to see at Sundance of 2015. Fred Topel, who I love dearly, said, "Ah, oh, it's pretty good. And Fred, Fred has like the best movie taste because some movies I completely agree with him on. Other movies, he's like, I'm like, I don't understand. And you can't even like guess what Fred's no, going to think No, you can't guess. He's, he's very an interesting person to read his reviews to. So basically, based on, you know, the fact that I was looking forward to it and then he was saying it was, it was pretty good, you know, I went in, you know, I was like, I got to get a ticket for this movie. And every, I, every morning I got up, tried to get a ticket for it, and it was the last day I was at Sundance. And I got up at like five fucking o'clock in the morning. I went, walked out in the one degree cold, stood in line for two hours, got the last ticket. I'll never forget it. They were like, you got the last ticket for this movie. And I, and I, and I saw Lily and Eve right before, which is the Viola Lila Davis. Lila and Eve. Oh my God. Which was a fucking crapshoot too. And then I went to see Knock Knock up at the Egyptian at midnight and this is such a horrible fucking movie. Like, it's just Keanu Reeves overacting and, like, saying every line as, like, he's William Shatner. Oh, oh weird pauses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, weird pauses. Like, chocolate sprinkles. How awesome. And then him screaming in a chair about fucking pizza and just this weird trying to be feministic vibe that the movie's trying to do while most of the film just exploits the women considering the fact they're in skimpy outfits and talking like babies and have to show their bodies instead of actually just saying like hey these women are sexy we don't really need to do this we can just look at them and see that and fucking Eli Roth is such a horrible filmmaker and he's so in love with himself and 
his filmmaking crappy style. Ego oh, stroking. Yeah, ego, stro- ego stroking is beyond. And then to make the matters worse as fucking much as I hated this movie, then I had to come home on a bus that took 45 minutes to go a mile, which I could have walked with drunk people, and then they had to stop the bus every five minutes because people were saying offensive things to other people and kicking people off the bus. So that's to summarize that. And I and just just to kind of put that in the back 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 seat there for a while, I did try to watch this movie when it came out again, and I made it through about half of it, and I said to myself, I cannot do this. I cannot put myself through the entire movie again. It was just as bad the second time around. So that was our worst list, and Scott's going to give some honorable mentions. Dishonorable. Dishonorable mentions. Uh, The Scout's Guide to the Galaxy. Scout's Guide to the Galaxy. (laughs) You messed that one up. The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, Really bad. The Mend, really bad. Am am I saying this? You're saying Lily and Eve? Lila. Lila and Eve? L-I-L-A. All right, Lila and Eve. You know, I never heard anyone even say the title. So... Uh, Fantastic Four, Super Fast, Aloha, Don Verdeen, Taken 3, and Ted 2 are dishonorable mentions. Cool stuff. All right. Our last list, which I don't think should take us very long because a lot of these we've talked about. So we're going to stop only on movies that we haven't talked about before. Um, God, Scott, all yours are fucking different. (sighs) Not all of them. Shut up. All right. We're going to start with number 10. No, you're not reading 11 through 15. Number 10 for me was The Martian. I thought it was visually amazing. The performances were awesome. Marky Mark. No. Not Matt Marky Mark. <laughs> I keep doing that. That's I, I, If I was Matt Damon, I'd be offended. I like Matt Damon. He yeah, did the, but you're he saying Marky Mark. You're, 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 I know. You're cross referencing him to Mark Wahlberg, who the only movies he had this year were Ted Daddy's 2 home. and Daddy's Home. I know. I mess it up. And then I he tells know. the Pope that he apologizes for Ted, and then he makes Daddy's Home. Like, where's the apology for that, I, buddy? All right. You chill the fuck out. <laughs> all right. Matt Damon. <laughs> there you go. Matt Damon. That's why I think Mark, because they make fun of him in a stupid movie. Never mind. What's your number 10? My number 10 is Carol. I We haven't re- talked about it yet. So we haven't talked about Carol. Um, I'm, I actually like this movie a little bit less than Ashley did. But I will say by far, Rooney Mara is spectacular in this film. And she just she speaks with her eyes and she speaks without talking. It's, it's really kind of incredible. And the, the cinema, cinematography of this film and the capturing of the 50s time period. And then, of course, the subject matter of, you know, two women falling in love in the 50s and the taboo subject matter of the time. Um, really, really enjoyed that aspect of this movie as well. Really, really good. Number nine, dope. Okay. Number nine for me is Steve Jobs. I did not like this movie as much as everybody else did. Um, I it's not on my list at I all. I took I took this movie aside from what Ash was saying that you know we've seen the Jobs movie and it was done the story poor, yeah we saw it before it was done poorly, but um, Aaron Sorkin his writing is terrific. Um, Alan Sorkin. Alan Sorkin. I always call him Alan. Ash is, wants to call him Alan Sorkin so bad every time she's like and Alan Sorkin's a great writer. It's Aaron Sorkin. But I really like him. I just can't get his <laughs> name right. Um, 
just really, really great dialogue in this movie. It's 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 so heavy in terms of dialogue. Um, and it's well written. It is, yeah. And the performances are really great. I'm not saying that I don't like this movie a lot. It's just something was missing for me for it not to be on my I don't. List. I don't know. I just... I'm sorry. F- Fassbender and Jeff Daniels and even though Kate, Kate Winslet, Winslet, even though every once in a while her accent goes in and out, I still think she did like a hell of a job with the performance. And one of the few movies that I think... Seth Rogen's tolerable in, even though he's not in it that much. But that's why. Yeah, I mean, he's he does a decent job yeah. in this movie. I, I just really, I think this movie is very underrated. I know a lot of people didn't uh, see it because I think this is where I think Ashley's one hundred percent on the money. People are so tired of seeing movies about Steve fucking Jobs, like because there like, was a documentary, here's a documentary. there was the other yeah, one, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then there's this one. It's like all right, and then Could they we made just that have skipped the other ones. You ever see the yeah, spoof one with no. just, Justin Long? No, no, you know, I don't with, watch those. It's, but it's with Justin Long. It was actually. A funnier die one is was really funny. Okay, um, so that's my number nine. Cool, number nine, number no, eight, eight for me is The Big Short. We already talked about it. Okay, it's really great. Brooklyn is my number eight. Brooklyn did not make my list at all. I love Brooklyn. I thought the. I think it's forgettable. You think so? I think it's really well done. I think it's really well acted. It's an interesting story, but I don't think it's very memorable. I just thought it was. I thought the performances were fantastic. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to butcher her name. She wore a sign on Ellen the other day that how to pronounce her name. I think it was Shorsha. Yeah. Shorsha. I, I, Shorsha. I remember Shorsha. when I was at a Q&A and I asked her a question and I was just like, God, you should I just say Miss Ronan. Yeah. I, there you I, go. I, I think I was, I think I said that because I was knew I was going to butcher her name, but Brooklyn, I thought was a great, a great, a great, a great <laughs> time period pace. I really enjoyed the look of this movie, I thought that Ronan's performance... Costume design was really good. Costume design was great. Ronan was amazing. Gleason, um, he was the weakest link of I this, love and, him, and, and, in this movie to me. He's like my um, redhead. I love him. But I will <laughs> say that I don't understand what the fuck people are talking about when they're complaining about the second half of this movie. Numerous people have complained about the second half of this it's movie. Okay. I know, right. but it pisses me off because <laughs> I feel like... the. The movie wouldn't work if she didn't. Go if back it didn't Ireland. go back, and this kind of stuff to kind of showcase what her life would have been like if she was and there. Her, her personal growth. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I don't understand why people were so like, "Oh, I don't get it." It just seemed like it was just shoehorned in there. It was just kind of like, no, it was showing the two different worlds and how they collided with one another and what the effect would be if she moved back it's there okay. versus there. I, it's okay. It bothers me. I just it bothers me. me. It bothers me. All right, <laughs> number number seven for you. Oh, concussion. Concussion did not make my list. Brooklyn didn't make mine. So there um, you go. Concussion, I think, um, is a really well-done movie for two reasons. Wolf Smith's performance is incredible. Um, it's very touching. It's very realistic. When it's a really famous actor and they can make you forget that it's a famous actor and they kind of dissolve into the character, I think that's a sign of a really good performance. The other thing is sports movies can be fucking terrible. They can be boring. They can be uninteresting. They can be overly preachy. They can attack. It's just this one is very tastefully done. It's interesting. It's engaging for people who don't like sports and for people that do like sports um i just think it's a very well-rounded movie and it's one of the best of the year i hope will will smith is nominated for an oscar 
I hope so too. But I mean, he has some tough competition. This he year. does. This year is a little rough. So your number seven is Joy, which we already talked about. Okay, cool. Number six for me is Trumbo with Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Um, again, it's one of those movies where it's a period piece. It's really well done. Um, Brian Cranston dissolves into Donald Trumbo again with Breaking Bad. He's a very recognizable. Dalton. What did I call him? Donald. No, I didn't, did I? Yes, you did. I need food. Um, <laughs> Don, Dalton Trumbo. <laughs> Donald Trumbo. <laughs> Donald Doug. Donald fucking Trump is, I've been hearing too much shit about him. That's why Donald's on my head. Dalton. <laughs> Dalton. Okay, Dalton Trumbo. Um, he does. <laughs> shut up, Scott. He dissolves into that character. Um, and he it, the character has so much range, too. It's like he goes from like a really um, intellectual, well-tempered man into like he digresses into this angry, resentful, work-driven person. So I think the transformation is really well done. The costume design is great. The story is great. It's just a really well-done movie. Trumbo yeah. wasn't on Scott's list. I really enjoyed it. It's It was in my run- runners-up, though. Your number six. My number six is Anomalisa, which I thought was a beautiful-looking film, a deep psychological film about the mundane existence on this planet and how we follow patterns and how things kind of become old and boring and disinteresting. And uh, this was a interesting look at love and kind of like having a midlife crisis and an emotional breakdown. And um, only the way that sh- Charlie Kaufman could tell a story where it could have people divided and say that they didn't like it or that it was just too artsy and pretentious. Number five. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Anomalisa. That's why she said that. So I'm not going to. It's fine. Okay. It's It didn't jive with me or whatever. It just fucking annoyed me so number five is carol we already talked about carol so scott your number five choice love and mercy which is my number four choice so continue i just speak i just think love and mercy was incredible um really underrated film i i feel like i'm baffled that this movie took so long to come out because it, it premiered at tiff 2014 and I don't know what they were thinking when they didn't try to promote pr- push it for the Oscar run that year because it would have had a b- much better chance than it does this year of getting awards because between Dano, Banks, and Cusack, this is, these are like the best performances of, of their careers. Yeah, for yeah. all the, I mean, Paul Dano has done amazing things Ruby pretty Sparks. much. And I mean, so has John Cusack. But there, these, you can't deny the, the range of the performances and fucking, again, another great supporting actor, um, Paul Giamatto. Uh, Paul Giamatti. Ha ha. You <laughs> fucked up a name. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. So great. Between this movie and uh, Straight Outta Compton this year, the man's on a roll for He's a despicable human being. <laughs> this both year. Of yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Awesome sauce. Next movie. What number are we on? I lost track. Oh, you oh, said love. Number love, four was my love and mercy. So me and Earl and dying girl is my number three, uh, and just, you're number four. Yep, and again, just great. A love story. No, it's not a love story. No, it's a love story to cinema. That's oh, what I was going to say. Like, no. It's a love story to cinema. It's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about, about being teenage a teenager. Angst yeah, and 
without being annoying. It's a movie about cancer. It's it's great. It's a movie about Watch a lot it. of things in Watch life, it. and it's artistic, but also well done and beautiful. So watch it. And not overly pretentious, right. which a lot of movies that tend to be about cinema tend do. to be. Right. Number three. Number three. Number three for you is my number two. We're all off. Scott and I are all off by one because he put the big short higher up on his list than I did. Um, so my number three was me and Earl. My number two is where to invade next, which is Scott's number three. Um, we already talked about where to invade next. We're not going to open that door again. So <laughs> please see it. Um, Scott's number two is the big short. You well, want to talk about it? We already talked about it. Big short we talked about a lot, yeah. It's great. Um, Scott's number one and my number one are both room. Like yeah. Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay. Some of the best performances ever. Yeah, I mean... It's touching, uh, it's disturbing, it's... I do want to point out, yeah. real quick, that I really struggled with the list this year, um, especially in the, the five, the top five, um, because I think every one of these movies is wonderful and well-made and has... And they're so different from each they're other. They're so different, and some of them tell important stories and realistic stories, like... They're also great, but I, the reason I pick Room is kind of what we were talking about is just seeing how small of a workspace that they had, Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, and um, Lenny Abramson as the director, what he did with this film and shot in 20 days and with like probably a shoestring budget. And the size room about as big as the one uh, we're in yeah, right now. It's just... Coming up out of the floor to like get the cameras in and... Yeah, it's just it's incredible. It, it, and then the performances, the performances that you get out of them are is. like like this kid, like you run the risk. It's so hard to see a movie that has a little kid in it because they either make or break the movie and more times than not, they break it. Um, <laughs> but Jacob Tremblay's performance in this is so intense. It's so real and believable and so beyond his age that you're just in, totally blown away by him. And then to have... Brie Larson give the performance that she has given in this movie where she's so emotionally vulnerable and empty but also full of this it's really hard to describe because sometimes you just see the emptiness in her like it's like being stuck in her situation she's so depressed and then you can see like she gets angry and she's she's tired of it and she's frustrated and she can't take it anymore and she's screaming her lungs out it's just the the contrast in her emotional range in this movie and how vulnerable she has to be really makes room one of the best movies of the year in my opinion the best and her por performance hands down probably the best of the year yeah i i mean the movie itself is really two different films. Mm -hmm. it, it, the, the first half is really this whole story of claustrophobia and being stuck and like being held captive. And the second half is dealing with the reality of getting out of that situation. Yeah, and, and going dealing with back. Jacob, um, who hers Jack in the movie, who has never been in the real world. He's never he's been never been outside of room, which is like the you know the room that they live in, which is the shed where they were held captive. He's never been outside there, so you have to. She has to deal with him not being able to assimilate into culture as much as she wants to be able to get back to her real life and what her life was like before and how 
how much of a struggle that is for her. I, and I think and like, him. this was another funny thing is that this is another movie. It's kind of like the same thing with Brooklyn where people were saying that they didn't like the second half of this movie as much as the first half. And I think that's the reason why certain people haven't put this on their list. Um, but again, to me, it was, it was like the first half of the movie was hard because of the fact that it was being shot in such a closed space and it was hard to kind of really, it was a raw look at these two characters and the two acting of, you know, against one another. There's no hiding but, from the camera. But the second half to me was ultimately the harder half because it had to show the harsh reality of a mother coming out of this environment and looking after her son, but also deal with her own mental stability of being outside of room and trying to adapt back to her life and like accepting everyone and accepting her parents and they, that they didn't make it that easy you know her dad didn't make it that easy and her and mom then just and then the step- making up for the fact that she missed however many years of her life right. like looking through her pictures of when she was in high school or middle school or whatever and seeing that like you know I missed this whole section of my life and like kind of that reality dawning on her of where do I go next? Like where I don't know what to do. Like, do I, you know, it's just the, the, the sheer amount of questions that she has to face, not only for herself and her future, but for her son. And, and then like they also, and by doing all that, they also embrace the fact that the media, of course, wants to get hold of the story mm-hmm. and they have a great scene between Brie Larson and a reporter um, and I, again, that to me, that, that's just the reality of what it would be like if you actually were, were held captive for that many years and you would have a media circus outside your house and to kind of show that element too, and to kind of show her breaking down, it, it just showcases how great of a performance and the storyline this was. And to me, you couldn't. The first half of the movie wouldn't have worked as well if you didn't have the second half. I know they feel like two different movies, but ultimately when you put but them together, to. when you put them together, it ultimately makes what makes this movie a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Is because of the fact that it does such a great job of showing all sides of the story. So. Yes. All right. This was supposed to be an hour podcast, and it was like a, an hour and a half podcast, but that's okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. We will be back next week. On Friday. On Friday. 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 Okay. And um, you, if you want to listen. And we're going to be talking about the Golden, Golden Globes Globe results. Went, right. Which will happen this Saturday. You can Sunday. 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 I'm sorry. And you can follow us on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting. We'll be updating our website with the winners as the show goes on. If you haven't checked out the website, we do have a competition right now um, for the Golden Globes contest. We will send you, if you win and you guess the most correct number of winners for the pod, for the um Golden Globes, we will send you two Blu-ray movies of your choice, whichever ones you pick. We will send them to you if you win. So in order to enter that, you have to go to our website, um, and you'll see the Golden Globes contest is on there. We've also tweeted it out a lot. Um, Right now we have 16 different people competing. We'd like to get some more. So if you're interested, um, check it out. Fill out a ballad. Takes you probably five minutes. Um, So make sure to check that out. So we'll be talking about the Golden Globes results for the first half of next week. And then, of course, the Oscar nominations are going to be announced on Thursday morning, the day before the podcast. So we will be talking about our our thoughts and our picks for the Oscars this year. 
Um, so make sure you listen in next Friday here in the Red Gorilla Network. Do you have anything else to add? No, you did a nice job. Thanks. Very nice job. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so we will see you guys next week. Check out the pod check out the podcast on it'll be up on YouTube. It's on iTunes. Um we will also be uploading new reviews to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash we live film and check out We Live Entertainment and thanks for listening. Bye. Yippee Kai, motherfucker. Thanks for listening to the official We Live Film Podcast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. And remember, some watch film, but we live it. I'll be back. Thank you for listening to Red Gorilla Network. Make sure to check us out at redgorillanetwork.com for more information on our shows, hosts, guests, and artists. If you'd like to be featured on a show, you may do so by contacting us at 818-855-9210. Thanks for listening. Red Gorilla Network, the Kong of Casting, is broadcasted in Burbank, California. The content on Red Gorilla Network does not necessarily reflect the CEO, staff, host, guest or artist on the station.